this is Lyran Baker and welcome to the Kitchen Confidant podcast. Today we're chatting with Vedika Luthra of the food blog and popular YouTube channel Hot Chocolate Hits. Born in India, Vedika was raised in Poland and later moved to the Netherlands where she pursues postgraduate studies in law. Vedika's first cookbook, 52 Weeks, 52 Sweets, Elegant Recipes for All Occasions, was released in November last year. I am so excited to welcome Vedika to the podcast. Hi, Vedika. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to finally chat with you. We've been sort of going back and forth trying to find a time that works. So yay, we're finally here. I always start by asking, what's the first thing that you ever cooked and how old were you? I think the first thing I ever made was actually mashed potatoes. And it was because my grandma makes mashed potatoes with cheese. Ooh, and I, yum. you know, we would eat it, my sister and I, when we were like three or four, we would eat it by the spoonful. And so one time I saw her do it and then I wanted to try. And then that was maybe the first time, the first memory I have of cooking something. And then, you know, they became, slowly the things became a bit more advanced. <laughs> yeah, that's a great place to start. That's actually my daughter's one job for Thanksgiving <laughs> to make the <laughs> mashed so potatoes. <laughs> oh my gosh, you brought back a ton of memories. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, could you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and what life looked like before you started Hot Chocolate Hits? Right. So I, yeah, so I grew up, I was born in India and then my, we moved to Poland when I was six for my dad's work and then they just, they loved it. So they ended up staying there and I went to an international school and then I moved to the Netherlands to um, study and that was law. So Hot Chocolate Hits was always something I did for fun and it was on the side. I, for as long as I can remember, I loved baking. And that was mostly because I loved eating cakes and I had an insatiable sweet tooth. (laughs) So I remember we had, uh, because, you know, I went to an international school. So we had um, a lot of people from the U.S. and a lot of uh, the mothers would make cakes out of a box mix. And I would always ask, you know, how does how does it taste so good? How is it so fluffy? And they they wouldn't tell me it was a secret. (laughs) And eventually someone told me that they used the mix. So we ordered my mom got for me like 13 or 14 mixes from the commissary, which is where they would get all of theirs. And then, you know, went through that. And then once I ran out, I started making cakes. And then um, the YouTube started because when I was um, in middle school, I would watch a lot of Laura Vitali on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I thought it would be kind of fun to try. So I tried and then slowly it became a bit it became a bit more than that. I love it because you're an early adapter of both the blog and YouTube, which I think a lot of people are probably super envious of um, to get a head start and, and to be part of YouTube. Not quite right at the beginning, but definitely like in the earlier stages of most people now are like, oh, you know, I want to be a YouTube star. <laughs> but you were definitely like one of the you know earlier adopters. So what what was building that channel like for you? Well, you know, it for me, it's always been about trying to maintain a creative outlet. So, uh, you know, as I mentioned, like I'm studying law and um baking for me was always a way to share my passion and that's also why I don't post very frequently I don't follow those um the conventional structure that most youtubers follow because I really try to keep it as something that I do for fun so I think a lot of it has been about growth my mom always tells me she's like if you even if you stop now the amount of things that you've learned are through youtube has been like it's a lot because you know I developed a love for photography from that and then also for video and you can really see like if you look at the earlier videos and compare them to the quality uh that they are now it's it's kind of it's a big improvement so I I think for me it's 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 really just been like a way 
to grow as both a baker and also like a content creator. And it's also given me a lot of other passions, like the photography. And I've also met a lot of really amazing people through that. So I'm always grateful. Yeah, I noticed that it's not just recipes that you share. You also do interview style like this, Mm -hmm. um, interviews with a lot of, you know, other familiar faces in the food blogging world, which is super fun. And I love that you did it at an earlier time. It's almost like, you know, we get to see people's progress over time, right? And it's just nice to pop in and say, oh, look, she did an interview back in 2013 with so-and-such. And anyway, I think it's super cool. I think it's also just a, a good way, you're right, to diversify your passions and and keep something fun. Because I think that when you start you know, focusing on yeah. an aspect of it and making it a business, it's easy to lose the fun part of it and the reason why you started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about your childhood in Poland and, and how your Indian roots and your Polish upbringing influenced your cooking and baking? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I moved to Poland when I was six, so I was quite young. And we, my parents always cooked Indian food at home. But I always, like, I... I'm very, I get very impatient, very tired, very quickly. So my whole idea, my whole love for food kind of came to, I wanted to bring new things to our house. So, you know, even when I, cause I love cooking, I don't share that as much. I'd like to start, but all of the things that I would cook were also very Western because I, you know, we'd have a lot of Indian food at home. So the cooking, that was definitely um, something different. The baking started with being more Western. So I would start, you know, with the, cookie recipes because Indian sweets are they're quite laborious they take a long time and it's a lot of you know cooking over the stovetop so Mm -hmm. even when I would try to do that I try to make it a lot easier and simplify Mm -hmm. um and then as I grew older I realized you know when you grow up as a as a as a child in a foreign country you you try to separate yourself from your previous identity because you just want to fit in and you know like also you know I'm brown so in school growing up you know you feel you feel a bit different and you try to kind of blend in as much as possible. So I would also, maybe I would also do that with cooking in a way. And then when I grew older and when I went to university, I realized, well, you know, I have this amazing culture that I'm from and I've had, I've had the luxury of growing up in multiple countries. And then when I was in university, I would start to add, you know, like introduce my, introduce Indian cooking into my, into my cooking and Indian flavors. And I really started to play around with the spices because I think once you, once you um, have the basics down with baking, you can really play around. So one of the spices I love to add to any baked good is cardamom. That's my mm-hmm. new favorite uh, it, or it became, it became a favorite. Uh, and then, you know, just the, when you, when you blend together spices with baked goods, they kind of add a unique flavor profile. And that's what I really, really like. And so I think, um, what I make today is a lot of fusion of things that have influenced my background. And, you know, even Poland, like Poland has a huge um, culture of bake- baking as well. Right. So there's a lot. It's less sweet than the American palate. A lot of cream, a lot of um, a lot of like a, like um, sponge cakes filled mm-hmm. with different different combinations. And that also uh, I like to try some from time to time. But usually it's it's always a blend of everything. Yeah, I I love the influences. My cousins grew up going inter- to international schools too, and oh, really? so it's funny. Like I I hear a lot of my aunt in what you're saying because 
her cooking became informed from the different countries that they lived in and the different expats that they met along the way from all over. Um, so I think it's really cool how it, it just influences your cooking in a, a different way than someone who just stays in one place, you know, and, and yeah. just ends up cooking the same thing. Where did they um, where did they live? So um, for many years, they were in Kuala Lumpur. Uh -huh. in Malaysia and then they moved to Oman and they um and they were there for another probably another decade or so um and now they're here in the states but it's it's fun because I just remember I, she would come and spend like a summer with us and cook like she would just take over my mom's kitchen we were all like happy about that but she would just cook um and every night it was like international night because we'd get something different <laughs> Yeah, that's that's super cool. Actually, my uh, some of my teachers, because you know, with international schools, the teachers also move around. So they they were they're actually in Kuala Lumpur, two of my close teachers. So oh, in no the school kidding. there, yeah. How that's fun! I th I've always wanted to do an expat life just so my kids could have that experience. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. You get to meet people from all over the world, and I mean, the sad thing is that if I go home to visit Poland, there's very few friends that are actually there. But a lot of them, because uh, they're all spread out. But then the nice thing is that, you know, if you do go visit a place, there's always people around that you know. Yeah, you know, that's so true. So true. Um, like going back to your YouTube channel, by the way, what was it like? I think you worked with Tastemade in the beginning. I did. Yeah. yeah. So what was that relationship like and how was it building your channel working with them? Yeah, so I think over the past 10 years, a lot has changed in the digital world. Uh, I started with Tastemade as, uh, quite early on when they were still doing the, um, what is it, the, the, when they still had, you know, when they still had this huge network of mm -hmm. uh, YouTube channels. And they were very helpful in kind of um, helping me grow because, you know, it, it always started as a hobby. And through Tastemade, I was really able to kind of up the quality uh, you know, even things like getting a new microphone, that was their suggestion. And then as they started with the Facebook, when once they started uh, through Facebook, I was one of the first creators to produce the one minute, uh, like the short videos. And oh. I remember the, the first one I did was for No Bake Oreo Bars. And that had like, that got like 42 million views Holy. for that one video, which was, you know, for a 15, 16 year old, that's quite a, like a big thing. Uh, and then eventually I am, I'm not part of a Tastemade anymore because I think they're also, they're focusing on uh, different areas. But I think while I was part of Tastemade, they really helped me grow. And for that, I, that, that, that was a really nice association to be part of also because you get to meet a lot of creators um, through Tastemade. So that was, we also did a lot of collaborations and things like that. That's amazing. I, I am still in shock that you were that young when you started your YouTube channel. Yeah. Wow, that's so cool. Okay, we have to talk. Yeah, we have to talk about your book. So 52 right. weeks, 52 sweets. I love the title. Yeah, I have How, it. I have it here. Yeah, <laughs> it's so pretty. Where, the sun is quite oh yeah, the bright. sun's not helping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did the book come about for you? So my friends, uh one of my housemates, her parents uh have a publishing company in the Netherlands. So the idea was born from that. I thought I could do something with them, but they have a Dutch company. So I would have, you know, like it wouldn't have worked because I don't speak. My Dutch is not like, it's not great. It's not, it's not good enough to write a book for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so I actually, we were starting something with that. So I had produced a lot of content and that fell through because of, you know, because there's not that big of a market here, there, here for me. 
And so then I, it was always kind of at the back of my mind, something that I wanted to do. And, you know, because I'm studying, it wasn't something I was very, like, it was always kind of like a dream that I had for the future, but never something that I had to do instantly. And it just so happens that my editor, Jane, who's, um, she's lovely. Um, she found me on YouTube, I think. And she wrote to me and she's like, would you like to write a cookbook? And, you know, I said, yes, I was, I was, um, and I had already had this idea like the 52 weeks 52 sweets that was my dream cookbook oh so I love it, it so I uh quickly made a proposal and I sent it to them and they liked it and then the, the you know then I started from there I yeah. love the title maybe you could just talk a little bit more about why you know why you went with that concept right yeah so I th the title I wanted to do something that had never done uh, never been done before because you know there's such a wealth of cookbooks online and I wanted to add something unique to what was already out there. And um, I really like seasonal cooking. I love cooking with pumpkin. I love cooking with apple. I just love the fall. And um, I find a lot of warmth in seasonal cooking. And, uh, you know, I also like I'm very pro sustainability as most people my age are. So, you know, I like to use wh whatever's in season. So the book, I wanted to have something that, that people could kind of use as a manual year round. And I love puns. That's what I, all my friends uh, know, know me for is for the, the puns. So 52 weeks, 52 sweets. I love the title because I love the rhyme. And I love the fact that um, for every week of the year, you have a new recipe. So it kind of, it fits the theme of seasonal cooking. And um, I was also able to use this as a, as a way to bring, kind of merge together my fl uh, fl unique flavor pro profiles. So that was the whole concept behind the book. I wanted to create recipes that could be like a repertoire of recipes for the entire year and also recipes that were influenced by my own upbringing. And, you know, because I grew up in Europe and here we have very pronounced seasons. Mm -hmm. So that that was um, that was basically where the concept of the book came from. I love it. I love that you have created a companion for people the whole year. And it's kind of if someone was regimented and wanted to cook, week by week they totally could and and just spend the whole year with you <laughs> yeah and I the the one thing I wanted the book to be was I wanted it to be something that people could access no matter where they were from mm. so um you know like I a lot of the recipes you know my first language is English and a lot of the recipes I use either come from the U.S. or the U.K. and with the U.S. there's very specific ingredients that are not always available in Europe uh you know things like corn syrup or um you know, chocolate chips even mm. not not very easily. Like here, you just use regular chocolate and you cut it up. It's quite rare to find uh, chips now. Yeah. Now more so, but just you know, there's a lot of um, ingredients that aren't that aren't universal. And so my concept with the book was that no matter where you are, you should be able to make a few of the recipes. And also, no matter what your diet is, you should be able to make some of the recipes. So I also have like substitutions in, in case people don't eat eggs, which is quite common in India. Um, or if, you know, people are gluten intolerant or uh, dairy intolerant, because I have a lot of friends who are vegan um, right. or don't eat, uh, don't, uh, yeah, don't have lactose. I think that's super helpful. And that makes it great for people. Like even in my family, like we have different types of eaters. So mm -hmm. um, that makes it nice because then everyone can enjoy it no matter what their dietary needs are. So I know you'd mentioned pumpkin and and apples, and clearly the seasons are driving your recipes. We're heading into spring. What should I make now that it's springtime? Right. So spring, there's I think there's a there's one that 
I was actually showing my friend yesterday because uh, she we lived together last year and I saw her for dinner yesterday and I was testing this recipe while I was living in the same house and therefore these lemon cookies so they look like um let me see if I can find the the page but it's um they're they're shortbread cookies with mm. walnuts and they are filled with lemon curd yeah. and uh, there's a little bit of confectioner sugar on top and they look a little bit like eggs so I thought that that they were perfect for Easter. That's why they're in the, I think they're in the April section. Oh no, the, Mar the March section. So actually that's this month. Can you? Oh yeah, they're so pretty. They, are, they yeah. do look like eggs. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that they would be really nice for Easter and they're just kind of warm and bright. So I thought that those are, that's a great recipe for spring. So I know you use spices a lot and in unique ways. For me, I feel like spices, it's very easy to conceptualize fall and winter baking when it comes to spices. But when it's, let's say, spring and summer, what are some ways that you like to use spices uniquely in your baking? I, I you know, one thing that I really want to explore more is um, using herbs. So, mm. for example, my housemate makes a really nice cookie with thyme and brown butter. Um, or, you know, I love lavender, that lavender, the fusion of lavender and chocolate is really, really nice. Right. Um, the spices, you're right, they do, they're, they have a tendency to add this kind of warmth that you usually seek in the fall and, you know, the colder months. Um, but I think that no matter what cake you make, if you add a little bit of card cardamom, it doesn't, it doesn't change the the texture it just adds a layer of complexity so there's a recipe on my blog actually for blueberry muffins mm -hmm. and i add cardamom to the muffin batter uh, and also to the streusel topping oh yeah yeah so it you know like spices also pair beautifully with summer fruit and berries that's good to know i need to do that more <laughs> especially yeah, now think... that the blueberries are coming into season yeah. yeah yeah and i think with you know like pies and uh tarts and things like that you know even just adding a little bit of cinnamon to whipped cream just changes like adds something a bit unique add, adds a bit something something different mm -hmm. and it just yeah it's really nice yeah. and I also like to play around a lot with um, chocolate and orange so just kind of different flavor combinations doesn't necessarily have to be spices especially if you're kind of reluctant to tread on that uh, if you're you know like to tr if you're scared to try something new then you can always just stick to what you know and just try to be a little bit more creative with those combinations yeah yeah no that's that's good um chocolate and orange is so good together yeah <laughs> chocolate with anything is pretty good together that is true that is true if you have chocolate in something you can never go wrong at yeah. least i think so <laughs> yeah so you offer all the different kinds of measurement options in your book which i think is very handy but what's your favorite way to measure when you bake um, I think it really depends on the, so like I said, I use a lot of American recipes. Those I, you know, you have to use cups and then in the British recipes, it's grams and mostly in Europe it's grams. So I think it really depends on the recipe that I'm doing. The quickest way is cups, but mm -hmm. the most accurate, accurate way is grams. Right, right. So if I'm just like doing some, if I'm doing like lazy baking, then usually it'll be cups or a combination. And right. then if it's something where I'm, because, you know, baking is is very can be very precise and in those cases i like to use um grams this is a complete aside but um curious if you've ever baked using deciliters because i was um playing around with a friend's mother's recipe she's finnish but it was in deciliters and uh, i actually went and bought a, a measuring cup. <laughs> really yeah i was like i can't believe i found it but amazon um 
So I was just curious if you've had any experience with dust leaders and if it was just more of like a Scandinavian thing. Or... Yeah, I think I think it is Scandinavian because I have a friend who's Swedish and she makes scones and the recipe she sent me was with dust leaders. But usually I'll just convert the, I'll yeah. just convert it to milliliters or something. Yeah. Right, right. I was wondering this. Yeah, interesting. I, I never really realized that the, Scan, the Scandinavians probably had their own, you know, measurement system. But yeah. yeah, I think every like even in India, they don't even measure a lot. Of, my grandmother, when she's making like anything, <laughs> she doesn't even measure and it still tastes, always tastes great. So. They probably just use like I know my family, just they use the random cup or yeah. even a can. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, even as a student, like that's if I don't have cups, that's what I'll use as well. I'll just use like a cup that we have lying around. Yeah. Okay. So you're a student. You're you wrote this book. How have you managed both at the same time? You know, first of all, just work wise, and then secondly, recipe testing. It takes a lot of time and work, and I'm hoping that you have like really good friends who can help you taste test. Yeah, so I mean, I did um, a lot of the book. So the book has been in the making for a couple of years, on and off. And what I would do is every because I um, all my baking stuff and my photography stuff is at my parents' place in Poland. So um. I would every time I'd go there on holiday, I wouldn't really have a holiday. I'd just be um, doing all the recipe development and testing and uh, photography and all of those things. And then um, I wrote the actual book. Uh, in the evening so I'd be like okay every day I have to do like one one recipe or every day I'll um, you know write a thousand words things like that I would just mm -hmm. divide it up uh, because I also have a part-time job and I uh, I'm doing an internship so oh my gosh yeah it was a lot of like it was a lot of work but I think I um, you know it was something I really wanted to do and I also believe that if you really want to do something you will find the time to do it you know, it's how we also procrastinate with Netflix. You know, if you really want to watch the show, you'll watch it. So it's the same, you know, it was sort of the, the same thing. I knew that this had to get done and I'm quite good at meeting deadlines. So I just, you know, I just did it. Like, I wouldn't recommend it. Definitely. <laughs> I wouldn't say that this is something I'd always want. But, and, you know, like now you see, I'm not, I'm not like, I haven't posted a YouTube video since March uh, on my own channel. And that's because I just needed, like, I needed time, time off from that as well. So yeah, yeah. It was I a problem. <laughs> I totally get the needing time off thing. I'm so surprised at how productive I was last year. And then I'm also surprised at how, I wouldn't say unproductive, but consciously unproductive I am this year. I have definitely been enjoying a break. And I think it's yeah. needed after a big effort like that. But I think what's cool is that because of, you know, because you had to shoot back in Poland and it kind of compartmentalized the work for you and naturally batched it for you. So exactly. Yeah. You don't have time to waste. You just have to make do with the time you have. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's how I do. But, um, you know, I haven't had a proper holiday since summer 2020. Oh gosh. <laughs> Not even. Yeah. Because that was when, so, um, so yeah, like I, I, the summer I'm going to take off, but it, it, you know, it's, it's ups and downs. I, I, I do stick to like a posting schedule or something like that. Oh gosh. Yeah. Well, I used to in the beginning, well, not the beginning, I would say in the middle <laughs> of, you know, my time doing this blog, I was at one point posting three times a week. Wow. And I don't cool. know how I did that. And now yeah. last year I, I told myself I wouldn't be so strict. Um, and I had already cut down to like maybe twice a week, but then, yeah, I, I've given myself a lot of grace to not, to mm -hmm. not do that because it just wasn't 
it just wasn't feasible. I couldn't, there wasn't enough time. <laughs> yeah, no, like I can't even post once in a month. Three times a week is insane. I know lately, like my first three months of 2022 have been very, very slow, but I'm okay with that. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I think the nice thing about doing a blog is that you can, like, it's not like anyone is, you know, you can, you can take the time off. You just have to be okay with the fact that, okay, maybe there might be a few less followers or. Yeah. Yeah, which is why for me, like, that's why I really wanted to keep it as a hobby, because the minute I start thinking about the following or the likes, it becomes so overwhelming. And then it doesn't feel like it's fun anymore. It feels yeah. like a job. Right. I know. Anytime you turn a job into or passion into a job, it, it changes elements of everything and, and how you feel about it. And then I think longevity wise, it's harder to maintain that way. Yeah, because, right? you know, you look at people. As a as someone who does this as a hobby, I feel like there's not that many people. Yeah. You know, a lot of creators do it as a job and it's really hard. I find it very difficult to c not compete, but to to make my mark in the same way mm -hmm. or in the sa on the same level. But I will say this. I can tell the difference between someone who loves what they're doing um, and pours their heart into something versus someone who's doing it just to make money. Mm -hmm. or not just to make money, but I'm saying someone who went into it thinking I'm going to make this a job. Um, it's just, it's just, there's just a different feel. And, and I feel like you can tell if that makes you feel any better. Yeah, well, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so let's just talk about law for a second. What kind of law are you studying? Uh, so, okay, right now I'm, my internship is in business and human rights. So what I'm, um, what I would like to do is something related to environmental social governance. So that's basically, you know, you have a big company, a big corporation, and there's a lot of increasing legislation that's asking them to kind of take a look at their operations down their supply chain mm -hmm. and see if that if see if that if their behavior is ethical or if they have any practices that are not ethical that they should remedy it. So, you know, you can even see it like with regard to foods, so you have yes. fair trade chocolate, things like that. You um, usually the company at its headquarters has less uh, things to be concerned about than they do down the supply chain, but that doesn't mean they're any less accountable for it. Mm -hmm. And there isn't any mandatory, though not as much mandatory legislation, but it's going to become mandatory. And so a lot of companies need to go back and check. And that's what I'm interested in. Also just with human rights and also with the environment. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that is great. I, I'm glad that you're doing that. And I think that's, I, but I also think that what you said is right. Like, you could translate this into any type of, you know, company, including the food industry. So, yeah. Would you possibly want to do that eventually? Um, Marry I, the two loves? Maybe. I think, like, a professor asked me this before. She's like, why don't you write your thesis related to food? And I was like, well, I'd like to keep them. For now, I think it's nice to keep them separate. Mm -hmm. Because I, you know, I, I like, whatever I do, I like to do well. And I can't... Um, I, I can't I, I if I do it well it, it's not as fun anymore <laughs> well not, not 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 that's not what I, I mean that I like to do it well but I like to still enjoy it and I want to keep food something I enjoy so for now no it might change later on yeah but I like to keep law and that separate and I would like to practice law so that's a whole other like that that's something else I love <laughs> how I love how you keep food sacred and special I think that's really good <laughs> Yeah, I would. And even with, you know, I think the more if you do it too much, especially with the photography, it kills the creativity. Yes. 
Yeah, Did like you feel it, that after you shot your book, like you were spent, like you couldn't take another picture? Yeah, definitely. That's why, yeah, it's been, um, that's why I also space it out a lot because when I do, you know, I like to think about how I want to style the picture and what, you know, what props I want to put in and if I need to buy anything. And, you know, I paint the backgrounds, we paint the backgrounds, um, they're all, they're all hand painted. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, not, but not always by me. Cause we also have a friend who's an artist and she does some of them for me, but, uh, you know, my mom and I did a lot of those. So, you know, they, it takes a lot of time. And if I want to deliver a good quality, then I can't do it as often as I'd like to. Yeah. Well, it's nice to know that you can do both, but you choose not to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so before I let you, well, I'm going to, I have some closing questions for you, but I also am just curious, what is your favorite part of your book? And what, what part are you most proud of? Um, That's a hard one. I think... I really like the forward I spent a lot of time oh not the forward the introduction I spent a lot of time writing Mm -hmm. um so that's something I uh like a lot about the book and what I'm also proud of is you know when I opened the book and I like I did everything myself and I did it in spite of doing a full-time study and having a job and um and I had like I my mom helped a lot with the dishes and with you know setting up and things like that but everything is mine so just looking at the book that's what I'm proud of is that I put something into this world and it's all mine and and I feel like not a lot of people my age have that yet so so yeah. I'm proud of that I think for me just having a book is already like a, an accomplishment in itself yes, I totally agree you should be proud I think that's amazing and the okay. recipes are great also just I have to- well of course <laughs> <laughs> they all look so good Okay, before I let you go, some closing questions. What's something that you make when you're too tired to cook and you need an emergency go-to dinner? Emergency go-to dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do a pasta with, um, it's with uh, onion, garlic, canned tomatoes, and ricotta and spinach. And that's like, uh, that's what I used to do quite often in college as well for my friends because it's really tasty. It's sort of fancy and is delicious. Oh, yeah. And a little bit of a little creamy, too. Yeah, because of the ricotta and yeah, uh, yeah, you know, like seasoning, chili flakes, of course, and salt, pepper. Yeah. Oregano, those things. Yeah. (laughs) What's the one recipe that you treasure the most? Hmm. That's a hard one because I treasure all of them. But if I had to pick one that was more like something I can always fall back on, I would say they're chocolate chip cookies Mm. because I made them so many times that, that, um, that over time I've perfected my favorite recipe. Oh, is that on your blog? It's in the book. Oh, okay. And there are, there's a few on the blog, but they're all good. But they're, you know, they every year they the recipe changes a little bit. Okay. So the current iteration, which is the best, is in the book. <laughs> yes. Got it. Are you a messy cook or neat? If you ask my parents, they would say I'm a messy cook. If you ask me, I would say I'm neat because I live in a student house and compared to my housemates, you can ask them. They would think <laughs> that's <laughs> What's a good kitchen tip? Um, whenever you add onions and garlic to anything that you cook, it will always taste good. I totally agree. It's so funny. Like I'll just be sauteing onions and garlic because I a lot of my dishes, that's the base. Yeah. Um, and my husband, he'll be like, that smells so good. I'm like, it's just onions. Yeah. It's just garlic. It's, it's, it's amazing. amazing. And even if you like roast veggies and you put onion powder and garlic powder, it's it's also delicious. Yeah. <laughs> good, good tip. Okay. Um, when I am consistent, I like to share five little things on my blog. Something that made me smile during the week. Is there anything that made you smile this week? 
Well, there was sun in the Netherlands. That definitely made me smile this week. <laughs> I because, bet. Has it, has it been gloomy? <laughs> well, the weather here is not notorious for being um, sunny. It usually rains. So the sun made me very happy because we all need vitamin D. Absolutely. I will say it did rain a lot when I visited there. But then the yeah. sun came out too. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Vanika, I had so much fun chatting with you. Where can everyone find you and your new book? Uh, you can find me on hotchocolateist.com. That's the blog. I'm also on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram at hotchocolateist, also Pinterest. Uh, the book can be found at, well, most places that you buy your book. If you go on Amazon, it's there. Uh, and you can find the ebook if you can't access the hard copy. And if you really can't find it, then I will mail you one. You can write <laughs> <it>. <laughs> okay, great. I'll have that in your show notes. Thank you again for spending time with me today. Thank you so much for having me. It was lovely talking to you. Same. Who's ready to bake now? I can't wait to make Vedika's walnut and lemon thumbprint cookies. That sounds so good. Thank you for joining us on this episode and special thanks again to Vedika. I just love chatting with her. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate, review, and share it with a friend and join us again next time. Until then, happy cooking. Happy cooking.